Matthew 5, 41. The words of Jesus, and whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him two. I want to speak on the second mile spirit. God bless you. Please be seated. Today is our annual volunteer Sunday. I'll be ministering on the second mile spirit, but today we're going to take some time through the message to honor the amazing people that make this church function in so many, many ways. We're blessed with a strong spiritual and organizational infrastructure at our church. We have a trustee board that is engaged, spiritual, and supportive. We have a pastoral leadership team. We meet weekly, and they serve our church. We also have an incredible pastoral staff, a full-time and part-time people who serve you by serving the Lord at our church. We have 301 leaders. We'll have a 301 leadership dinner in November. We're structured like this, 101, 201, 301, and I appreciate these leaders. We meet monthly on the first Tuesday of the month right now by a Zoom call. And then volunteers, my goodness, we have amazing volunteers in our church and so many faithful members, well over a thousand faithful members who are active in attending and contributing to this church and to missions causes around the world. I thank the Lord that currently we have 332 volunteers serving our church in 785 positions of ministry. Would you give all of our volunteers a hand right now? Amen. That's an average of 2.4 ministries per volunteer, letting you know that there's a place for you and room for you to serve on our volunteer team. Our volunteers serve behind the scenes in the public eye on the platform, in the parking lot, in places you might not imagine. They give their time as well as their talent and treasure to this church, to the Lord Jesus Christ and his kingdom, and great is their reward in heaven. The Bible said that every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. You don't get credit for for what someone else does in the kingdom of God. We're all in this together, but we're in this individually for God sees how we give our lives to the kingdom of God. And everyone will be rewarded according to their own effort and labor for the Lord. Now, each year we give awards to volunteers and lifetime achievement awards. Every other year on even numbered years, we have a giant volunteer celebration where we thank our volunteers for what they do. But several years ago, we started doing this annually on a Sunday to honor our volunteers and to let everyone know how important it is to find your place in the body of Christ. So today, I want to give two Lifetime Achievement Awards, and then later in my message, I want to give some Second Mile Awards to some deserving people. First of all, I want to give a Lifetime Achievement Award to Brother Alex and Sister Brenda Seche. They demonstrate the second mile spirit. Sister Seche was part of our Ladies Auxiliary teams and on a team that helped cook during the building program of this campus, this 
building you're in now is 22,000 square feet. It was built uh, in 1986, finished about that time. I might have that date a little bit wrong. And uh, Brother Alex Seche was a part of that, and I'll give you more about that later. But the ladies came and cooked and worked, and Sister Seche was a part of that building program. She worked in guest services as a greeter in our friendship force. She was an altar worker. She is a retired registered nurse and has helped many people in our church with help crises on our safety team and helping with information to help people that might have a medical condition. Sister Seche is faithful, prayerful, godly, but due to some health challenges that she has, she's very seldom able to attend a church service. But we love, respect, and appreciate Sister Brenda Seche for a lifetime of serving the Lord at Atlanta West. Brother Alex Seche, her husband, is the longest-serving trustee board member in our church. He served as an usher for many years before becoming the head of our ushering team for many years. He ran the entire building program I just spoke to you about that starts here and goes all the way back through the youth center, the sanctuary, offices, classrooms, fellowship hall, and youth center, that 22,000 square feet. He oversaw the construction from the ground up all the way till it was time to finish the interior. If you went into the foyer between the water fountains and took off the sheetrock on one of the main support beams there, you would find a list of names of many of the men who served in building this as volunteers. By some of those names, you will find a check mark. For if you made a mistake while you were working, Brother Seche would allow you to go back and put a check mark by your name to say that you had messed up and were fessing up. It's one of the great stories of Atlanta West, a lighthearted punishment for those who made a mistake with the perfectionist leading the building program. Brother Seche served on a committee, a member of our scouting program for several years, came to monthly meetings, uh, assisted with camping adventures and outings. He was an assistant adventure scout leader, the division of scouts for older boys. He wanted to do more exciting things such as diving and long-distance hiking. On the diving side, Brother Seche was certified in all the courses that the scouts were certified in, including rescue diving, deep water diving, and night diving. He was the only one in the group to receive a perfect score on underwater navigation certification. What an amazing feat. He's that kind of an outdoorsman, engineer, thinking man. He is a pastor's prayer partner. He's an avid Bible study teacher and witness. He is prayerful, faithful, committed. He was in the 9 a.m. service. He is my friend. And when I moved here, he became my hunting partner. I love Brother Alex Seche. He epitomizes faithfulness and commitment to this local church, and I honor both of them. The award says Lifetime Achievement Award in honor of Alex and Brenda Seche for outstanding faithfulness, service, and sacrifice to the kingdom of God on this day, Volunteer Sunday, our celebration, September 10, 2023. Would you please give them another round of applause, expression of appreciation. Amazing people. 
Thank you. Next, I want to honor Sister Lillian Douglas. She was also in the first service at 9 a.m. Anyone who knows her would agree that the summary of her lifetime of ministry is that she is a woman of prayer. She is a woman of faith shown by words and actions. She's a friend to all. Her primary ministry has always been a daily walk with God that points other people to Jesus Christ. She offers words of encouragement that lift others up no matter what they may be going through. Before moving to Atlanta in 1983, not 1993 as I misspoke in the first service, she was a blessing to the ministries of many other churches in Ohio, Minnesota, and Tennessee. She served as the president of the Sisters Club in her PAW church in Columbus, Ohio, a group where ladies shared spiritual insights as well as everyday practical advice. Having lost her mother at a very early age, she learned how to run a home. She knew the importance of having both spiritual and physical house in order. She knew that cooking a good meal goes a long way to keeping your family together. Sister Lillian Douglas's husband, Brother Fred Douglas, worked for IBM until he retired. Donald said that IBM stands for I've Been Moved. So his career required many relocations for their family. On more than one occasion, Brother Douglas has told me how much he loved and respected his amazing wife, Sister Lillian. She's lived a life of impeccable integrity. When they moved to Rochester, Minnesota in the mid-70s, they were a great help to Pastor Caskey and his wife who were in that young church. Sister Linda Caskey, the pastor's wife, still pastor's wife there, said that Sister Douglas taught her so much, even taught her how to cook her first turkey. After serving there uh, they, as a Sunday school teacher, children's ministry helper, then the young Douglas family moved to Germantown, Tennessee in the late 70s. They joined Whitehaven United Pentecostal Church, pastored by Nathaniel P. Urshan. Sister Douglas, again, was a tremendous help to the church. But she developed a broader ministry influence outside the church as she resumed her work in the full-time school system, of working full-time in the school system. When they later moved to Atlanta, her roles as a teacher and counselor played a very important part of her ministry in our church. Her love for helping people with God-given wisdom and practical advice was recognized outside of Atlanta West, most notably in the school system. She was recognized professionally as the Cobb County and Marietta Schools Middle School Counselor of the Year and also received their Lifetime Achievement Award in the school system. Though limited by school regulations, she initiated a weekly prayer meeting at her school that was attended by teachers, staff, and even principals. At Atlanta West, she has served over the years in Sunday school, college career ministry, ladies' ministry groups, and many other areas that are not in the public spotlight. In addition to her continued work with ladies' prayer, serving as a small group leader, she has continued to use her counseling degree and skill 
both formally and informally, to help others at Atlanta West. To her, she receives this award for outstanding faithfulness, service, and sacrifice to the kingdom of God. Would you please express another round of applause and appreciation to Sister Lillian Douglas, an amazing, godly lady. The people that I've honored and many more exemplify what Jesus called us to do in Matthew 5.41. And whoever compels you, forces you to go one mile, go with him too. In the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, chapter 5, 6, and 7, Jesus taught amazing principles of the kingdom of God. He taught what people in his kingdom should think like, act like, be like in their character as well as their content. He lifted the law of the Old Testament to a higher level. He said, I've not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill the law. He took the law past actions to attitudes from holiness of flesh to holiness of spirit. That was God's intention from the very beginning. In Matthew 5 and 20, perhaps the heart of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, For I say unto you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter into the kingdom of heaven. They fasted and prayed, but often to be seen of men. Jesus said, This has got to get inside of you. You maybe can't do more righteous acts than the Pharisees and scribes, but it's got to get inside of you and take this law to a higher level. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus taught a higher level about retaliation. In the Old Testament, they had been taught an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But Jesus said, if someone comes against you and slaps you on your right cheek, you are to turn to them the other also. He said, if someone sues you to take away your tunic, you should also give them your cloak. That tunic inner garment, that cloak the outer garment that was warmer and often used as a blanket by poor people, Jesus said, don't ever do the minimum, but go beyond what is asked or expected of you. Jesus instructed the disciples that if someone asked you for money or someone wanted to borrow, that you were to give it. He said, give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. I will admit that while studying this verse for this message, I was reminded that we shouldn't try to pre-qualify the people that we help too much as a child of God. I'm not talking about a business practice now. I'm talking about a Christian practice. Because we may wonder what that person's going to do with that money. Do they deserve it or not? Or are they lazy or not? But Jesus said that we should be generous people beyond trying to figure out whether or not they deserve it. That is a radical principle. Jesus said, you've heard it said in old times, love your neighbor 
hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless them who curse you. Think about that a minute. Do good to them who hate you. And pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. These attitudes and actions exceeded expectations of anybody in the world who was watching a Christian respond to them. They would have to say, no one lives like this. No one thinks like this. No one loves like this. But these principles were taught to us by Jesus Christ. And he had a reason for these teachings. In Matthew 5, 45, he said, I want you to represent me in the world, that you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh the Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. Do you know that today, when the sun rose for us in Atlanta, that it rose on the worst person in this city, just like it rose on you. It rose on the drug dealer, on the criminal, on the immoral person. Even though they don't deserve it, God let them feel the sunshine of another day. And when it rains in Atlanta, when we need it, God lets that rain fall on the grass of the bad person, just like the good person. In other words, Jesus said, I am good to bad people, and I want you to be good to bad people, to undeserving people. That's what my kingdom is like. And people that are not believers are going to be blown away by your character and by your conduct. This was obviously counter the culture. Being a citizen of the kingdom of God required demonstrating a good attitude and going beyond what was required. One example of these teachings is in Matthew 5.41, our text. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him two. Now, Brother Ben's going to help me with the prop. Well-deserved. He's an Eagle Scout and Scout trainer and a daredevil, a caver, and all of that. So I think he can carry this extremely heavy backpack. I loaded it myself. Palestine was occupied by Romans. Roman soldiers were everywhere. And in order to transport their goods from one place to another, a Roman soldier had the right to compel you, to requisition you, to carry his gear for a mile. You couldn't say anything about it. You couldn't do anything about it. It was the law. Initially, a Roman mile was a thousand paces. It came to be measured in a certain number of stadia or feet, not the same as a British imperial mile, or what we would be an American mile, a thousand paces, 4,854 feet. But Jesus said, if somebody comes to you, a soldier, and he demands, he compels you to carry his gear a mile, I want you to carry his gear that first mile, 
And then I want you to go the second mile. You're not to stand on your legal rights and say, I've done what is demanded of me, but is required of me. Therefore, I am free from obligation. I want you to go the second mile. Now, let's talk about that first obligatory mile. The Jewish people were very proud. They told Jesus one time, we're Abraham's seed. We've never been in bondage to any man. Not like the Egyptians or the Babylonians or the Persians or currently the Romans. What a delusion to think that they are free. But they were not free. So to be conscripted to carry a Roman soldier's gear was humiliating, demeaning, angering. They hated Rome. They resented Roman occupation. And the attitude of most people was evidently one of anger. Roman soldier, carry my backpack. All right, I have to. A thousand paces. If that Jewish man was going west and the Roman soldier wanted him to carry his gear east, he had to give up his agenda for a mile and go a mile to the east. But I can kind of see the average person, the normal person carrying that gear, grumbling, complaining, frowning, maybe cursing, spitting, and counting. One, two, three. One hundred, two, five, six, nine hundred and ninety-nine, one thousand. Done. Maybe spit on the backpack, right? The final obligatory step. Inside, seething with anger. I was going west. You forced me to go east. Duty done. See you later. Out. And the Roman soldier would look around, find another worthy person that could carry his gear, maybe heavier than this pack, I'm not sure. And they would go. I'm just going to say this. I'm going to jump out and say this. I doubt any Roman soldiers were moved to conversion to Judaism by people who acted that way on the first mile. And Jesus is saying this to a primary Jewish audience that he is called to follow him, to become Christians. They will not be saved until Acts chapter 2, but he's teaching them what it means to be a Christian. And Jesus taught, that citizens of the kingdom of God, that people who follow Jesus Christ must be called to a higher standard of attitude and behavior and actions. Amen. Jesus said, in spite of the injustice and the imposition of the first mile, I want you to go the second mile. Imagine somebody. I can't imagine that this was easy. But imagine somebody who heard Jesus teach this in the Sermon on the Mount. 
being compelled by a Roman soldier to carry his gear a mile. It's not just that second mile, but it's how you go the first mile that demonstrates Christianity. It doesn't mean you act like a jerk for the first mile and you turn into a saint for the second. I have a feeling that first mile that that Christian man or woman, probably a man carrying a Roman soldier's gear, is walking with the spring and a step, smile on his face, probably singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Got a great attitude. Maybe he's talking about the weather, but he's just kind of going that first mile. He gets to step 999. He takes one more bold step, then he stops and looks up at the Roman soldier and says, excuse me, sir, this has been such an honor, such a joy, my pleasure. What do you say? I'd go with you another mile, a second mile, and off they go. And the Roman soldier's mind, his brain is whirling. He's wondering, what in the world is happening? I can see him asking, maybe even out loud, who are you? Where did you come from? Are you an alien? Aliens are big right now, right? What is this that you are doing? Oh, it's nothing, sir. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And we always go the second mile. That's just what you do when you follow Jesus, when you're a citizen of the kingdom of God. You just go the second mile. It's pretty convicting, isn't it? That someone would live like that Act like that. Go like that. Why are you doing this? What's the motive behind this? Not looking for a tip, bonus, a good word. I'm doing this because this is the spirit of the second mile. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Jesus used the word compelled. That first mile is a force mile. An obligatory mile. It comes from a Persian word that means to force into service against one's will. To be impressed into service was to be drafted against your will and maybe even forced to serve in an army. There are times that we are compelled to do things that are inconvenient, even detestable. But Jesus would say, if you love me, would you demonstrate my love to the world by going beyond the call of duty to go the second mile? So it's fitting for me right now to honor four people with a second mile award. First is Sister Morvia Austin. Sister Morvia typifies the second mile spirit and the way she serves on our hospitality team between services on Sunday. Sister Morvia, are you in this service? She is in the first service, and I 
did not see her to have her stand. Uh, Sister Brothers, who serves on our staff, noted that she jumped right in to get involved. On the Sunday, she's doing hospitality. So every Sunday between the first and second service, we have a hospitality team that serves our volunteers. And she does an amazing job. Jennifer Davis, who helps with cleaning, said that Sister Morvia, when she is scheduled, she always knows because she cleans that area up so well. Brother David Jury is often back there teaching discipleship classes. He said that Sister Morvia is always there early. He's seen her stand at the kiosk multiple times as a friendly host. Her smile and spirit are contagious. Then she also steps up to provide extra care for her grandson, Ethan, who's not always able to go to Chips because of some special needs. But she sits with him so Ethan's parents, Corey and Venice, can focus on the service. Would you give a round of applause to Sister Morvia Austin going the second mile? Thank you. Secondly, I want to give the second mile award to Brother Chris Willie, who I can barely see in the sound room back there. Yes. Amen. Ryan Johns leads our music and production teams. Noted that Chris Willie's been serving on the audio team for several years. Chris has been instrumental in learning our new audio console, spent countless hours behind the scenes researching and learning the equipment at AWPC. From coming over during the week to soundproof the drum cage, change drum heads, engineering products to solve a need, and helping solve multiple technical issues, Chris has been an integral, faithful part of the team, making sure that the gospel is heard in the house as well as around the world. Brother Chris also serves on the lockup team, which deserves a second mile award when you're on that team. He is faithful, always willing to go the second mile with a smile. Would you please thank Chris Willie again? Amen. Thank you, Brother Chris, Stephanie, and Theodore. <clears throat> the next second mile award, we could give these awards to dozens and dozens of people, but we just kind of pick some stories that represent the second mile spirit in our church. But I've never preached a whole sermon on this, so I'm enjoying this text and these concepts of Jesus. Sister Beth Evans, would you give her a hand? <clears throat> Before 8 o'clock this morning, when I arrived, Brother Enoch and Sister Beth Evans were getting out of their car and I smiled to myself, and he said I smiled pretty big because I thought she is going to be running media today. She's going to have to put her own picture on the screen, and she doesn't even know she's getting this award yet. So this is going to be really fun. Jackie Marin, who serves as administrator of our children's ministry, said Beth Evans started serving in children's ministry in July 2019, teaching our four- and five-year-old class. She's always well-prepared, and the kids have really enjoyed her style of teaching. Since then, she stepped out of the classroom and is now training our volunteers how to best help our students with special needs. She has met with parents 
to establish an individual plan for their student and then share that plan with our teachers. She has been such a blessing to our team and especially to Sister Jackie in leading this charge. Sister Jackie said, I feel like parents with a special needs student can confidently attend church knowing that we are giving our very best effort and attention to their child each service. Thank you, Sister Beth, Brother Enoch, Dillip, Philip, Philip, Tristan, their family. All of them serve in ministry. The Evans family. We appreciate you, Sister Beth, going the second mile. The next award goes to Sister Terion Jackson. Right here, Sister Terion, stand just a minute. Brother Joel Johns, our youth pastor, was out of town this weekend. But he said, Terion has been a vital part of our church, serving in ministry, ministering whenever and wherever possible. She's been a huge blessing investing in students through the crowd student ministry helping week in and week out, setting up and tearing down, which is a considerable amount of work, attending and supporting monthly special events. Previously, she coordinated the weekly crowd worship team. She also serves on our altar team. She is a Bible quizzing coach. She serves in Hope Ministry, our ministry to the homeless. She is on the sanctuary praise team she was leading today. She was a small group leader in 2022, both this fall and spring semesters. She is also a recently licensed minister of the United Pentecostal Church International. In the Georgia district, she was approved by the youth committee and the district board to serve as our director of Apostolic Youth Corps that connects students to missions trips that are provided by the UPCI Youth Ministries. We're thankful to Sister Terion for her sacrifice of time, talent, and treasure. Sister Terion has a call to missions on her life, and we're working on her next adventure even now over the last few weeks. But she's not just sitting on a seat waiting to be called to some faraway place. She is putting her hands to the work. She has the second mile spirit. Would you please once again honor Sister Terion Jackson. Amen. Now, I'm going to do something a little unique right now because this person is not like an official member, but I'm asking Officer Matt Weingarten to come in to church right now. Officer Matt. We love Matt Weingarten. If you're over here, you can't see Officer Matt. Now, we secure the services of Officer Matt Weingarten as a uniformed security officer. And for whatever reason, we, we get him a lot, and we like it. But he doesn't just stand in the foyer with his uniform on. He's really made himself a part of our church family. Amen. He's fully engaged in the foyer when on duty. He's become an unofficial greeter in our church. 
He welcomes people to Atlanta West. He makes sure that first-time guests get connected at the welcome kiosk. Someone takes care of getting their information, and they receive a gift. He makes sure that our elders are greeted and seated. Our kids love Officer Matt. He spends time talking to them, making sure that they know the guy behind the badge is a person with a warm heart. I hope it teaches them what Romans 13 says, that we respect people who are in civil authority who carry weapons to protect us. That's what the Bible says. He's got sticker badges that our kids really love. He's attentive to individuals that need a little extra help, making their way in the sanctuary. We'll often walk them up, holding their arm until they're seated. He recognizes if somebody misses church, the next Sunday he'll let them know, I missed you last week, glad you're back. He doesn't arrest them, he just lets them know that they were missed. However, that is a, an idea we're thinking about. Man, I wish that would have come to me in the first service. You can really tell that Officer Matt is not just doing a job to get paid, that he genuinely cares for people. And I want Officer Matt Weingarten to know that we love you, we appreciate you, we respect you, and thank you. You are a tribute to the law enforcement community. We thank God for you. Now, would you give all of these recipients another round of applause? Morvia, Chris, Beth, Tarion, Matt, Seche, Sister Douglas. Wow. Now, let's apply this. In a world fixated on personal rights, the second mile spirit is revolutionary. Legalism is always looking for a loophole, a way to get out of an obligation. Legalists are always trying to do the minimum requirement. Do I have to do this? Do I have to do that? What's the line? I certainly want to do, don't want to do more than is required. But the second mile spirit is the spirit of Christianity. How close can I get to Jesus? How much can I represent him as an ambassador in our world? The second mile spirit guides our conduct in relationships. The second mile spirit motivates us to go beyond expectations, to act and respond or react with a loving Christian heart. The second mile spirit affects our attitudes toward giving, to go beyond what is required, to give generously and sacrificially. The second mile spirit is God's way. It is the method of operation, the modus operandi of the kingdom of God. The second mile spirit is the spirit of Jesus Christ who left all to become a servant to all, to die on a cross for our sins. It was he who went the second, third, and beyond. The second mile spirit 
demonstrates dependability, fulfilling what I've agreed to do, even though it requires unexpected sacrifice. In those days, the days of Jesus, people needed to be taught the second mile spirit because it is not inherent in us. It was a result of sin. We're exceedingly selfish by nature. We think of ourselves way too often. The essence of sin is demanding our own way. Even at the end of the ministry of Jesus, his chosen disciples were arguing about who could be the greatest in the kingdom of God. Jesus took a towel and washed their feet and said, I'm your Lord and master, but I have humbled myself to serve you like this. This is how you should lead. In the church in Corinth, when it was time to receive communion, the fastest people would run to the front, drink as much, eat as much of that unleavened bread, and leaving others out. They did not understand the body of Christ. Paul said, not discerning the Lord's body. There were people like the guy in the church that John wrote about, Diotrephes, who loved to have the preeminence to be the main guy. Paul would write, look not every man on his own things, but on the things of others. We are to carry one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ, the second mile spirit. And whoever compels you, to go one mile, go with him too. The first mile is motivated by duty, but the second mile is motivated by love. Let those of us who follow Jesus Christ demonstrate the second mile spirit. Considering the teachings of Jesus, let me ask you today, how do you carry the burden of responsibility in that first mile, whether it is in your home, at your school, or college, on the job, in our community, or in the church? How do you carry the burden that first mile? Do you grumble and complain? Do you talk about how heavy that burden is? Or do you carry that burden with dignity integrity, and joy? Do you say my pleasure and my honor, or do you see it as you being compelled to go that first mile? Do you exceed expectations? Do you go the second mile? Do you go beyond the call of duty in all the places I just named, wherever you go as a follower of Jesus Christ, as the ambassador? Do you calculate every step Every minute, expecting a reward, a handout, a plaque, a trophy, an accolade? Or do you live to hear Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant, at the end of everything? Do you do what you've agreed to, even though it requires unexpected sacrifice? God is calling us, his people, to possess and to practice the second mile spirit. Think of how this could change the world as people boarded an aircraft or deplaned if someone would defer or prefer someone else at the checkout line in a store 
when your cart is full and someone behind you has a few items and you allow them to go in front of you, maybe you can't give them a church card, but maybe you will, but you've demonstrated something that is about going the second mile. Imagine the lanes of traffic merging because of construction or just plain old bad design. And you're not making sure nobody's going to get in front of me. I'm not saying let everybody get in front of you. And why is it that we're so worried that someone's going to take advantage of us, that we're going to be inconvenienced? All of the teachings I gave that surround this verse are all about going the second mile, exceeding expectations, and putting others ahead of yourself. It's not that easy in real life. In a world where retaliation is the norm, and doing the minimum amount required is common. What if every one of us determined today that if someone compels us to go a mile, that we were willingly, we will willingly go too. After all, Jesus did this for us when we were yet without strength in due time. Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man would one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone even dared to die. But God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Let's bow our heads and pray right now. Jesus, there are many hard sayings that you taught us in the days of your flesh. And certainly the application of the second mile spirit. Takes a double dose of humility. Takes a constant reminder. I pray in Jesus' name that you would help me, Lord. Show initiative in my life. Look for a need to be met. And demonstrate the second mile spirit. I pray that the people who are in this church are part of the body of Christ. We got the first and second and every other mile needed. Recognizing, Lord, that great is our reward in heaven. For you honor those, Lord, who honor your word. Help us, God, not fear being taken advantage of. Help us not fear doing the heavy lifting while someone else is not. I 
pray in Jesus' name that you would baptize us today with the second mile spirit. And Lord, if someone here today is not saved, is not in a right relationship with you, I pray, Lord, that your love that you demonstrated so freely for us would be felt by that person today. That they would know if they would repent of their sins, asking you for forgiveness, that you would forgive them, Lord, and you would go the second mile to save them. Pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're able, would you please stand? I'm going to give an invitation for us to come to the altar. And I know it may feel like going the second mile. But if you're physically able, I, I would encourage you to move toward the altar, an aisle, a place of prayer. Recently I taught, you can begin coming now. Recently I taught about being a doer of the word and not a hearer only. One of the great dangers of Christianity is that we come into a church worship service like this and we hear a message preached. Maybe we like it, maybe we don't, but we just chalk that up to teaching. What I have preached about today, what I've taught on today, is calling every one of us to a life change, to have the second mile spirit. If we're able to come and willing, would you come gather at the altar? I want us to just pray right now, asking God to help us be second mile Christians. If there are some things you need to repent of, people you've wronged, I want you to pray for God to forgive you now. You may have some unfinished business. You need to go to someone and ask for their forgiveness. Why don't we pray for that now?